How's everybody doing? Good, good. Well, uh, some of you guys have been following Pastor Matt on Facebook or Twitter, and he's been kind of saying this week he's been sick. He's still sick, so I'm here. My name's Mike. I'm the associate pastor here at Next Level. Really excited about being here as we launch this series, I Want to Be a Better Blank. As you saw in the video, I Want to Be a Better Blank. This is how you do it. And the reason why we're doing the series is because for a lot of us, we can fill in the blank. We know that we want to be a better something. We want to be a better friend, some of us this year. We want to be a better boss. Maybe you want to be, quit being such a jerk to your employees. Maybe you want to be a better employee and actually show up on time and quit hiding in the bathroom during your breaks. Um, some of us, we want to be a better spouse. We want to be a better parent. All these things that we would say, we want to be a better, we want to be a better looking person. I mean, we all have these ideas that we would fill in the blank that in this year, we hope at the end of this year that we'll be better than when we started. I mean, we all would say that we hope that that's true, and we hope that's true of us, especially the optimism of the new year, and we do it. But I don't know about you. For me, a lot of times, I start off the year going, I want to be a better blank, and then at the end of the year, I'm like, man, maybe I'll set that goal again because it just didn't seem to last. When I used to, when I used to smoke cigarettes, I did it for nine years. I don't anymore, but I did it for nine years, and it was like every new year, or really any holiday, it was like anything that ever happened, it was a, I'm going to quit smoking, you know, and then that lasted for like six hours at a time. And so I always had these things. I could never seem to make it last. And so we're going to explore the question uh, during this four weeks of, of how do we affect change in our lives that really matters and lasts? Because it seems like it's really easy to make a decision. I'm going to quit. I'm going to do this. I'm gonna, this is going to happen. Because when you quit smoking, you know this. You quit dozens of times. It's just hard to keep it going. And in our lives, we decide we're going to make change dozens of times and all the time. And it's just hard to keep that change going. So for the next four weeks, we're going to actually go a little bit deeper than some of the felt need stuff. And we're going to go, all right, how do we make sure that change in our lives matters and lasts so that next year we'll actually be different and better and further along than we are today. Last year we did a series called Healthy Life 2010, and in that series we talked through, okay, we need to have healthier finances, healthier relationships, um, even physically healthy. How can we do that? And we talked through that. This year is just different than that. This year is really going deeper and asking, how do we make sure that the change we make that we all really want to have in our lives, how do we make sure that that change matters and it lasts? So over the next four weeks, if you want to be better and if you want to continue to grow and continue to move forward in who you are, this is going to be a great series for you. So let me just encourage you, if you're in town, be here. If you're not in town, you can listen online, you can watch online, but this is going to be a great series to help us move down, uh, move down the road and move down our journey and what we want to be and who God has created us to be. Um, today, what I want to do is I want to look at three questions. I have three questions that we're going to talk through and we're going to look through as we start off this day and really begin to examine some of, the, some of the goals we set and some of the things we do to help us really look at the goals that we're setting and drive a little bit deeper. So the first question I want us to look at is this. What is, what is it that we all really want to be? It doesn't seem like a very deep question because the way that we answer this when we ask this question initially is always very outward. If someone says, what do you really want to be this year? Well, I want to be skinnier. I want to be healthier. I mean, I want to be richer. How about richer? That's a good one. I want to be, I want to be more successful. I mean, we say those things, but those things tend to be a little bit more outward focused. They tend to, they tend to look outward, but let's ask the question a little bit different. Deep down, what do you really want to be? Deep down this year, what do you hope this year brings for you? What do you, ho- what do you hope that you are at the end of the year deep down more than just the outward? And the reason why is because I, I believe that we want to be a better blank, whatever that is, doesn't have to do with the outside. It has everything to do with what's happening in us on the inside. 
And instead of focusing outward, what if we could change it around and switch it and start looking inside because, so that we can become better at whatever we want to become better in? In, in 3 John verse 2, it says this, I pray that in all respects you may prosper and be in good health just as your soul prospers. In other words, if you want your outside to prosper, your inside has to begin to change. And your inside dictates what happens on the outside. So if you continue to focus on, I want to change everything that happens on the outside, but ignore the inside, most times very little happens to change us. So the question, what do you really want to be, like deep down? I think, I think if we were to ask that question, we were to go around, to spur, I think for a lot of us, I think here's the way that we would answer that question. We want to be God's best version of us. I think that's a simple way to answer that question. I think we'd all say it differently, but I think we want to be God's best version of us. And the reason why I think we say it is because of this. A, someone who is a creator understands the way the thing that he created works best, Right? If you create something, you tend to know how it's supposed to function in the best way. That's why, I, does anybody have a Mac? Does anybody have a Mac computer, Apple computer? I do. I own a Mac, and I know there's a lot of tension between Macs and PCs because they have the commercials and all that stuff, and people who have Macs don't like people with PCs. People with PCs go, oh, Macs, whatever. But the, the reason why I own a Mac, honestly, the only reason, there's no other reason than this, I like Macs because they're better. That's it, though. There's no other reason. I just like it because it's a better computer. That's it. I mean, that's, you know, no bias. So for me, that's important because if we're setting New Year's resolutions based on what happens on the outside and the outward and doing that, a lot of times that doesn't lead us to God's best version of us at all. We try to change around some of the way we act and we don't do it and it's all focused on the outside. But if we can change our New Year's resolutions and some of the things we're thinking and the ways we want to grow more focused on the inside and really not even us working on the inside, but allowing God in to work on the inside, then we begin to change and we start to function as he wanted us to function, as he created us to function. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared for us in advance to do. We are God's handiwork. Another, another version says that we are his craftsmanship. He just knows how we work best. And if we can allow God to do his handiwork inside, then the outside good works begin to take care of themselves. And then we become his best version of ourselves. We become his best version of ourselves. But a lot of us, here's what we do every year. We set our goals and we do some things and we try to change around everything that has to do with the outside. We try to, try to change the way we act. We try to change the way that we parent. We try to change our anger problems. We try to focus on all these things that are on the outside. And what happens is we get to the end of the year, and we end up, we end up as a me, a type of me that we never wanted to be. Let me see if I can give you a couple examples of that. What is, what is the me I never wanted to be? One of them is the me that I pretend to be. The me that I pretend to be. We all have two me's. We all have two me's. We have the real me, like the me that we know about and lives in the back of our head and we know about our mind and that sort of thing, but we also have the other me. The other me that, I mean, you can be the least engaged dad in the world, but you go to a baseball game around other parents and it's like, you're like the, woo, yeah, let's do it, son, you're awesome, or come on, daughter, or whatever. You know, you can be the completely, but you want them to think you're one way, even though you're not necessarily that way. Sometimes at school, sometimes at different arenas, you can try, you can try and to be someone that you're not really being. And a lot of times we set outward goals, instead of uh, achieving our outward goals, we tend to pretend. Now, think about this. Let me see if I can illustrate this. Everyone's first 
time at the gym is exactly the same. And this year, if you said, I'm going to start going to the gym, I'm going to go to the gym. Everyone's first time at the gym is the same, and here's what it is. You walk in, and you don't want anyone to think that you don't know what you're doing, right? So, but you, you understand, like I understand the basic concept. If you want to lose weight, go on a treadmill or elliptical or a bike and sweat like crazy, right? Just work really hard and sweat like crazy. If you want to get stronger, lift some things that are just, just not heavy enough, or just, you can just barely lift it. Lift some things, you'll get stronger. And so for you, this is everyone's first, first time at the gym. You walk up, and you kind of walk up to the weights, and you kind of look around like, who can I copy? So you kind of look at the guy who's kind of lifting, and it's just, I don't know what I'm doing right now. I'm not sure. And, and there's always men, there's always a woman stronger than you when you first start going to the gym. I'm telling you, it is like the most frustrating thing in the world. She's over there with her 25-pound dumbbells lifting, and you're like, I'll, I'll take the 10s. We're good. And it's like, man, this is, I'm trying not to look like it's hard because she is so much stronger than I am. And then if you try to copy the wrong person, because the gym, they have some weird people in the gym who are doing like crazy stuff. So if you're like trying to copy the wrong person, you'll kind of end up doing a, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, is this right? I don't know. This, I mean, it's hard. Is it supposed to be hard? And you try, you try to do different things. But everyone's first impression in the gym is this, no, I'm cool. I know what I'm doing. And if you were to ask a question, actually find a trainer or find someone who works there and go, I don't know what I'm doing. I actually need help, which guys, none of us guys will ever do. We'll always just go in there and try to lift heavier weights than we should and then leave too early. Um, but for us, but if you were to ask, your whole experience would be better. Your whole experience would be different. And the same is true in our lives. I mean, if we were to just go, okay, God, I'm faking it. I don't know what I'm doing. I know, I know that I'm messing up. I know that what I'm doing is not right. I know that I am just pretending I need your help. I need you to work on the inside life would just get easier. The second, the second me is the me I think I should be, the me I think I should be. Some of us, we live with expectations of our past, and we have a boss or a mom or a parent um, in our head saying uh, with these expectations that they had for us. Some, sometimes it's expectations for myself, and I think that I should be a good mom. I think I should be a better dad. I think I should be a better Christian. And they have all of this, I should be, I should be, I should be, I should be. But when you try to live by I should, it kills your motivation. And the reason why it kills your motivation is because it, obligation, is, obligation will just kill any motivation you have. When, I, when we first started the church, I was 21 years old. Which if you're older than 21, you know that is young to start off as a pastor. If you're younger than 21, you don't realize that. But if you're older than 21, it's like 21 was young. And I had all these people, because I didn't know what I was doing, saying, you know, this is what a pastor should do. A pastor should do this. A pastor should do that. And I had all these people from all over, and I didn't know what I was doing, so I'm like, okay. So, so one time, I had this lady from a different city call me and say, hey, my brother just got put in jail in Fort Myers. Now, I didn't know the lady, and I didn't know her brother. She's like, can you go visit him? And I'm like, sure, I guess that's what a pastor's supposed to do. So imagine this. Think about this. So here I am, 21 years old, and, and if you're in jail, you don't get a lot of visitors. So for him to sit down and see someone he didn't recognize, a little bit weird. So he sits down, and he's like, I'm like, hey, man, your sister called me and told me that you're in jail, and I'm a pastor. Okay. Man, I bet jail sucks. How's the food? Probably not very good, I bet. You, get, you getting beat up at all? And I heard, I've seen some movies. I am so glad I'm on this side of the glass. 
I, you know, I mean, I mean, what do you say? I'm 21. I mean, I, but you're a pastor. I'm 21. I, mean, I don't know what to do. And all, all you got, I mean, okay, prayer. I understand there's power in prayer. But that's, there's a little bit of, what do you even pray? God. Oh, man. <laughs> Help him? Uh, n- not get beat up? Give him a friend who's big. You know, I, it's kind of like, what do you do? But for me, I had all of this, you should do this. I, another thing is, um, um, I, I've, I've kind of worked in different environments here at the church, and I've worked with kids, and I've done high school, and I'm, I'm, I can do any of those. I feel like I can kind of mix. But the one area I just, I'm just horrible at is, is the middle school ministry. Um, horrible at middle school ministry. If, you, if you're a parent of a middle schooler, God bless you. I mean, God bless you. That is like, and I'm going to call you when my kids get that old, that is crazy. That's like a crazy age. And if you work in our morph environment, you guys are my heroes, literally, because I couldn't do it. I worked back there one time, and we were back there, and they're like, okay, split up the girls and the guys. I got the boys, and we do this game with marshmallows and straws. Now, I don't know who came up with this game. It was, it was stupid, but I, so I, I'm doing this game with them, and they get marshmallows all in the carpet. Okay, because that's what middle school boys do. They get marshmallows all on the carpet. And so I say, okay, guys, here's what we're going to do. We're going to stand against the wall. Everybody stand against the wall and line up. All right, sit down. Okay, sit down. Now what? Well, we got about 15 minutes left. We're just going to sit here. <laughs> and, and I know what you're thinking. That sounds horrible. I know it does. And in my head, I'm thinking, they hate this church. But I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do because I mean, they're going to beat them and they're just going to sit against the wall. Either way, I bet. But, I should, I should, I should, I should. And, and especially starting off, I had so many people telling me what I should be and what I shouldn't be as a pastor that all this pressure from around us, and for a lot of us, we have that. We have voices from the past and trying to live up from expectations of our past of people we don't even stay in touch with anymore. And some expectations that we have right now, um, the, the, the next one, the next me, is the me others want me to be. Um, for some of us, it's not expectations from the past, it's expectations from the present. There are people in our lives right now who are putting expectations on us that are driving some of the decisions we make. There are expectations that are happening right now, and we feel like they're watching us like a hawk, trying to make sure that we're doing what we need to do or what they think we need to do. Now, if you live with a home association at your house or a condo, you understand this, okay? This is, okay, here's what I think a home association is, if I can define it. There are retired people who like telling you how bad you are, okay? They all have dogs, not because they like dogs, but because in order to walk around your house and criticize your house, they have to do something other than walk around your house and criticize your house. So they walk around with their dogs so that they can walk around your house and criticize your house. So they walk around, and like whenever they do, it's like, no, we left the bike outside. Oh, no, what are we going to do? It's like this, hi, close the blinds, make sure they're not there. Um, so the funny thing about that is, I'm like, all right, I want to take responsibility in our community. I want to be in our community. So I joined the board of directors. Um, and here's what I thought. Then I can be a part of the community. But when you join the board of directors for your home association, it is like being a pastor on an airplane. They will cuss up a storm and tell you dirty jokes and do all this stuff. But as soon as they ask you, so what do you do for a living? I'm a pastor. They, they don't say three words to you anymore because they think the only thing you're capable of is talking about God. And since they don't know it, they're like, yeah, my, I used to live by a church once. So, you know, they just completely disconnect from you 
And suddenly the Sky Magazine is a super engaging thing that they just read the rest of the time. And, and so it, it's the same way. So now I'm part of the association, and they don't want to talk. The people in the community are like, oh, hey, good to see you. See you later. He's that guy. So they don't talk to me anymore. But, but even still, the president of the association uh, a couple months ago sent me a letter from the board of directors to me. It's kind of like to me, from me, telling me that my house was bad. I'm like, I'm on the board of directors. Come tell me. Like, you, you'd think if I'm on the board of directors, I can finally get away from the criticism. It didn't work. Um, so you understand. If you have a home association, you understand that. Leave me alone. So, so for, for some of us, though, we have people on the outside that are putting pressure on us to be something that we don't feel like we need to be or, to, or just putting that pressure on us. And from the outside, we're going, man, it feels like they're watching us like a hawk. And we're trying to be God's best version of us, but it's very, very difficult to do with pressure coming from other people. The fourth one is the me I think God wants me to be. The me I think God wants me to be. Not the me that God wants me to be, the me that I think God wants me to be. Let me say this, and this may be very good um, for some of you. It may be very freeing. Following Jesus is not the same as following rules. Following Jesus is not the same as following rules. I think a lot of times we believe, and we honestly believe, that how much we come to church, and how much we read the Bible, and how much we pray will determine how much God cares for us. But it's not the same. Because we live in this culture, this rules and regulation culture, that says that has basically defined Christianity. And honestly, it has been backed up. There are pastors who stand up on stages and speak to people, and there are churches who kind of back this up and say, if you're not doing what we all think you should do, we're going to kick you out. And we're going to get rid of you. And some of you, you had some bad experiences in the past with churches that you were doing some things that maybe they didn't agree with, and they just completely got rid of you. They said, let's not do this. And, and, and honestly, that was for me. I had, I had this, uh, grew up in a church, and here was kind of their thing. It's a little bit weird. They said, if you're, if you're happy, watch out because it's about to get bad, which is kind of really weird. No, I'm serious. This is what they said. I know. It's kind of And here's the way they'd say it. If you're on the mountaintop, the valley's coming. You know what I mean? It's like the complete opposite of what you think that a church would say. You think that a church would say, if you're in a valley, a mountaintop's coming. But they kind of sold it the other way. Makes you really want to follow Jesus. But they, if you're on a mountaintop, and so what happened was for me, I always lived my life with this. Every time things are going good, you kind of watch out. Like you start thinking God's up in heaven going, oh, he's doing good. We're going to get him now. It is on. You think you're happy? Sickness. Woo. Take that foreclosure. You know, and you, you have... You know, you have this, they kind of push this thought of, don't be too happy. So you walk around, it's like inside, you're like, yeah, but on the outside, you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you don't, you know, you don't want that. I kind of had that. And a lot of us, though, we have these things that we think God wants us to be, and we walk around, and it just seems, it just doesn't seem right, but, you know, that's kind of what people have told us, and we are living like we think God wants us to live, and, and it is that. It's just a mixed up, weird thing. The fifth me is the me that failed to be. The me that failed to be. Um, the pressure from past failure can keep us from pursuing becoming better in the present. And past failure can keep us from present pursuit. It can paralyze us. It can paralyze us. For me, a few years ago, I used to blog, which is an online journal, not a diary, because I'm a guy. It's an online journal. Um, that, that you, you, we're just going to come to church, we're just going to sit down here. God created us with a purpose. He created you with a job. And if your New Year's resolution, let me just say this is a personal thing. If your New Year's resolution consisted of 
I want to lose weight this year. And that's it. I think there's a chance we might be missing it. Because Jesus came to the earth. Think about this. Jesus came to the earth and he came to help show his love so that people see a new way, so that their lives can be touched and they can do that. And when he left, he said, all right, now everyone who follows me, go and do what I did. And if, and if we really follow the creator of the universe, like the creator of the universe, the maker of everything that makes it all, that he's the all-powerful, he is God. He has all of these plans for the people. I mean, there are tons, hundreds of people outside of this door, thousands, millions, who do not know who he is. And his goal and what he wants is to make sure they know who he is. They experience his love. They are with him. And if our resolution is, I just want to lose weight, I think we miss it. Because I think our resolution, listen, lose weight. That's awesome. I'm all for it. But I think it also has to be, and you know what? God's best version of me not only knows I have a job to do, but fully goes in that direction. And I think this year in 2011, we, what we can be is we can be a church that has a group of people that say, you know what? We're going to live as people who understand we have a job to do. And the job is not to show up on time. You know what? Be late. But do something that matters. What is the job that God has for you? Listen, if you're a parent, my wife and I were talking about this this week. It's easy, it's easy in parenting to think, oh, this season's hard. I have a three-year-old boy who's very strong-willed and a one-year-old boy who's walking. I mean, he's not really strong-willed, but he's one. So, and I, I said to my wife, I said, this season's kind of hard right now. I mean, this is kind of a tough season for us. We're just kind of going through it. And it's easy for us to go, you know what? Oh, I can't wait for the season to be over. Listen, if you're a parent, that can't be what you're thinking. Okay? You have a job to do. You are raising the next generation. Dads, let me just say this. Dads, it can seem very, very unnatural at times to constantly engage in the life of your kids. But I'm telling you, there are statistics, there are facts out there that say your role in the life of your child plays such a crucial part. And if you're not approaching your role with intentionality, and if you're letting your wife or whoever, the, the mom of your kids, parent those kids, and you just happen to show up every once in a while, emotionally just kind of stay disconnected, I'm just telling you, I think you're missing it. I think there's more. I think there's more. And, and if you come here to the next level, and you just come and you sit and you do this, listen, there are going to be people, listen, think about this, next week, there are going to be people who walk through these doors, and they're going to give up on God if something doesn't happen. They're giving God one last shot. And we have the opportunity to create an environment where they say, you know what, God? I was ready to walk away, but today, because of what happened here and the love that I saw and the things that happened, the way they treated my kids and how friendly it was on the foyer, I'm giving you another shot. We have that opportunity. We have a job to do, which is bigger than just coming and making sure we check the, the attending church off our list. You have a job to do. And I think, if, I think if you're here, this is just me, I think if you're here at this church, I think, you need to, I, I, I think, I think to not be involved is, to, is, is just silly in my mind. The reason why they say that is because I think this church is moving. And we're not only impacting just, we're just coming in and have church. Listen, we're, we're doing things downtown in some communities with the highest crime rates ever. We're reaching out to people who don't know who God is. I think if, you, if you're here, you have a job to do. We have a job to do. And the best version of you understands that. The best version of you knows that you've been uniquely designed by God, and it knows that you have a job to do. The third thing, the third thing that the best version of you understands 
or does is continually take steps in that direction. The verse says, he has prepared us in advance to do it. He has created us for good works, and he has prepared us in advance to do it. And listen, if you believe that God has called you to something, or you know what your job is, or you figure that out, I'm just telling you, you've got to take steps. You've got to move in that direction. I have people who come to me quite often and say, hey, I have this idea. I think you guys should do it. And I go, you know what? I'm not sure you understand. I think you should do it. If you have that in your heart, I think you should move forward in that. I think this year in 2011, if we can understand that we've been uniquely created by God for a job to do, and we take steps in that direction, I think the amount of life change that happens is crazy. I think that people start getting transformed. I think the city, our communities downtown, I think church planners, I think pastors, I think if we can step up and say, you know what, we've been uniquely created by God, we've been, we have a job to do, and you know what, this is the day we're going to decide to do the job that God has called us to do. I think the life change that happens and the things that happen within us, things that happen within our families, things that happen with other families here at Next Level and throughout this city, I think begin to be amazing. But I think we have to decide we are going to do the job that God has called us to do and stand confidently in it. I think that's what 2011 should look like for us. More than trying to get skinnier. More than just trying to change your diet or quit smoking. I think we got to step up. we got to do it. So here's what we did. We said, okay, we, we know that there's a big, from here to home, there's a big, even emotionally and mentally, a big gap. So what we did is we have a declaration wall. And there's a cork board out there, out in the foyer with a, with a table, on a table. And on that cork board, there are some sticky notes. If today you're going, you know what, God, I want to do the job. And maybe you know what that is, and maybe over the next four weeks you're going to know what it is. We want you to go out to the cork board. We want you to write that down. It can be anonymous. You don't have to put your name, but stick it on there. So that all these next four weeks you can look at the cork board and go, I'm, I'm staying with it. I'm doing it. I'm there. To bring that point of decision. Let me ask you this as we kind of close. Let me ask you, where are you faking? Where are you being the me that you never wanted to be? Where are you pretending and acting like you got it all together, but you're just a mess? Where, where are you driven by should right now and you're resenting it? Where are you doing things because other people are telling you to do it, even though you don't want to? Where are you letting failure hold you back or maybe a misinterpretation of who God is? Where are you at? What area of your life right now are you not pursuing? And what dream are you not pursuing? And what job are you not pursuing? Because failure is holding you back. I think today God wants to take that from you so that you can begin moving forward. What can you do today? You can go right on that board. What can you do tomorrow? What can you do the next day? What are the three things you can do this week? You take one step every day. That's 365 steps this year. Moving more towards a job that God has called you to do. I think that is, what, that, that is what God is calling us as a church to do, to begin moving in the direction of the job that he's called us to do. Let's pray. God, you have called us to a job. You've called us to it. Lord, we know that you have called us to more. We know that as a church you've called us to more. We know that you have, you have more for us than to attend church and try to lose weight this year. But God, you have a job for us. So Lord, we ask that you would give us the ability to pursue that this year more than we ever have. God, give us the strength to do it. Help us to whatever's holding us back, if it's fear of failure, if it's uh, other people pressuring us, if it's the, the shoulds that go and come around us, if it's the, 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 the thing that we're just faking. 
God, we ask that you would give us the strength and the ability to move past it, to push past it, and begin to pursue the job that you have for us. God, speak to our hearts individually. Tell us the job you have for us. Maybe for some of us, we need to walk back in the kids' ministry and sign up. For some of us, we need to go out to hospitality and sign up as a greeter. Whatever it is, God, we just need to go do it. For the dads, I pray that you would help them and give them the strength to engage as a father like they're supposed to. For the moms, help them to show love like crazy to their kids. God, let us to be a church that's doing what you've called us to do, and we pray that in your name. Amen.